the book of Haggai. I want to pick up where we left off this morning. You remember this morning we looked at the revelation for obedience in verse number 8. And then we saw the results of the obedience. Remember he said, I'll be pleased and I'll be glorified. And then we looked at the reminder of obedience. In other words, he reminded them that disobedience would have consequences. And he reminded them that, listen, you, you've, you've forsaken my house, and therefore, here's what you have to show for it. And, and, and I love he showed them that. And then lastly, we saw the response of obedience, where it says the people obeyed the voice of God. Now, I want you to look with me lastly tonight at the reverence of obedience. So if you would please stand in reverence to the reading of God's Word. We're going to begin reading in verse number 12. Verse number 12. The Bible says, Then Zerubbabel, the son of She-Al-Tiel, and Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest, with all the remnant of the people, obeyed the voice of the Lord their God, and the words of Haggai the prophet, as the Lord their God had sent him, and the people did fear before the Lord. Then spake Haggai, the Lord's messenger, in the Lord's message unto the people, saying, I am with you, saith the Lord. Now listen to this phrase. And the Lord stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, and governor of Judah, and the spirit of Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest, and the spirit of all the remnant of the people. And they came and did work in the house of the Lord of hosts, their God. In the four and twentieth day of the sixth month, in the second year of Darius the king. Let's pray. Father, I just thank you today for your stirring work, for your enabling work, for your mighty work. And Father, I thank you again for the privilege that we have in your enabling of our life to be obedient to you. And so, Father, I pray tonight as we look at the outflow of this obedience and what it produces, what it looks like, Father, I pray it would be a help to us tonight. And, Lord, you would use it to not only encourage us, but, Father, to remind us of the absolute paramount importance of obedience to you. And, Father, we'll give you the praise, the honor, and the glory in Jesus' name. And all God's children said, Amen. You may be seated. I want you to look fifthly tonight. We looked at those first four points this morning. Fifthly tonight, I want you to look at the reverence of obedience. The reverence of obedience. Look at the bottom of verse 12. It's an amazing little statement. It said, and the people did fear. Now watch what it says. It doesn't say they feared the Lord. They feared before the Lord. Now you say, what does that mean? Well, it simply means this. Yes, it was an awe for who God was. That, that goes without saying. But more importantly, their life has now begun to represent a life that now is in awe of God. In other words, they came by revelation to obey in the beginning of verse 12. And now we find out that their obedience was more than just revelation. It wasn't just revelation, you need to go into the mountains and bring the wood and build my house. That was the part of it. But listen... If you have revelation, but yet at the same time don't have an awe for the one giving you the revelation, can I tell you what's going to happen? You're not going to obey. And so in other words, what happens here is the children of Israel, now by all that God has done, blown up on their crops that they couldn't produce, and all that God has done, here's where Israel's come. 
They come to a place of being at all at the character and nature of God. And in the, all of the character and nature of God, they yielded themselves to God. Why? Because of who He is. Listen, folks. If you know who God is, I promise you, you won't have trouble obeying. One of the greatest things that needs to happen in our country is a fresh reminder of who God is. Because we have so construed in our mind a God that's not the God of the Bible. I mean, we use terms that are blasphemous. The good old man upstairs. I got news for you, that's a blasphemous term. And we, we have this idea of God, of being a doting grandfather up there to bless us when we need it. I, I got news for you, that's not who God is. But if you understand who God is, then I want to tell you something obedience becomes an outflow of the revelation of not just what God says, but who God is. Now watch what this produced in the children of Israel. It, it produced in them this reverence, this fear of the Lord. It produced a change of mind. And, and when you say, what do you mean a change of mind? Well, listen, they, they had a change of mind concerning the work of God. And now all of a sudden they're obeying God, but which before, they, listen, they wasn't obeying God. Now here's the amazing thing. What was, what, what caused them 16 years to not give themselves to the work of God? Fear. Fear of what? Not God. Fear of the Samaritans. But now all of a sudden, God's got their attention. And when God's got their attention, obedience begins to set in. And watch the transition that takes place. Now they went from fearing the Samaritans to now being in fear of God. See, here's what obedience will do. Obedience will put Everything in its proper perspective. See, what's happened today, folks, is this. Most people are fearing a virus far more than they're fearing God. And you and I need to understand that if we fear God, then we'll trust God that God will work all that out. And so you and I need to understand that what happened here, in knowing the character and nature of God, God brought a change of mind in these children of Israel. Now, I want you to understand, this was an amazing thing. You say, why? Because Israel was like this for years. And I want to read a passage to you. Jeremiah chapter 22, verse 21. Listen to what God said through the prophet Jeremiah to Israel. I spake unto thee in prosperity. How many agree God wanted Israel to prosper? But watch what he says. But thou saidest, I will not hear. This hath been thy manner from thy youth that thou obeyest not the voice. You obeyed not my voice. And so now God's got their, their attention. They've had a change of mind, and they now came to the place of saying, hey, listen, we've got to obey the voice of God. Why? Because we know who He is. We know His character of holiness. We know His power to literally disrupt the nature of our crops. We, we, know, we, we know His mercy that He would give us an opportunity to worship Him after 16 years of rebellion. We know who He is. And we must obey Him. Had a change of mind. But here's the other thing this fear before the Lord showed or displayed in their life. Not only did it display a change of mind, but it displayed a change of motivation. You say, what do you mean? Well, what were they about during those 16 years? They were about their own livelihoods. They were about building their own houses. Uh, they were about being having their own comfort. 
In other words, for 16 years, out of fear of the Samaritans, they reverted back to a place of self-dependency and self-protection. And now all of a sudden, what's happened? Oh, listen, a change of mind's come. But with the change of mind came a change in motivation. And now, guess what happened? They're not interested in pleasing themselves. They're not interested in doing what's best for themselves. Now they're only interested in obeying God and let God be glorified as they worship Him in the house of God. Everything changed. No wonder the proverb says the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. Because if we understand the character and nature of God and God works it all for Him in our hearts, can I tell you something? Then we'll have understanding and wisdom to every circumstance of life that comes our way. And we'll put the circumstances of our life in a proper perspective. And here's what will happen. It won't dominate and control your life. Because God will dominate and control your life. If we just understood the character and nature of God, it will change your motivation. And so this is the outflow of what took place with Israel. The reverence that came out of obedience. But I want you to see something else. The reassurance in obedience. Now, how many of you agree God knows our frailties? And so how many of you agree God knew that when they got back to the work, laid down their own houses and, and got back to building the house of God, how many of you agree God knew that there was going to be troubles that would arise and there was going to be difficulties that would arise? And God knew that you and I as men and women were very frail. In other words, you take God out of us, and I promise you, you and I wouldn't last a week in obedience to God. You and I can't obey God without Christ. And so what does God do? Well, He comes along. Now listen, they, they're obeying God. They've said in their mind, now they've not started the work yet, but in their mind and in their heart, they said, we're going to obey God. We're going to obey God. Why? Because we know who God is, and we fear Him. But they've not began the work but they've set in their mind to do it. And God knows there's going to be time that's going to try that faith. God knows there's going to be circumstances that's going to cause them in their humanity to rethink, did we do the right thing here? And so what does God do? He reassures us. Aren't you glad God reassures us when we need it? You said, how did God reassure them in their obedience? Well, watch what he said. He said to them in verse number 13, Then spake Haggai, the Lord's messenger, in, in the Lord's message unto the people, saying, I am with you, saith the Lord. Now notice the transition. You remember last week he said to Haggai, you tell this people, not my people, this people. But now what is he saying? I am the great, title of God, the covenant title of God, I am with you. What does that mean? Listen, it means this. It's more than just a promise. It is a promise, but it's more than a promise. You say, what do you mean it's more than a promise? It's a promise set in legal terms. The name of God, I am, is the covenant name of God. And here's what it means. 
God has coveted with these people that he will be with them the whole way. Literally, from a spiritual realm, he notarized the promise. And God said, I won't go back on it. Now listen to me. Sometimes obedience to God can lead us in the paths of unknown, trouble, circumstances. But if we're obeying God, can I tell you something that will never, ever change? God will never leave you nor forsake you. And if God gave us revelation to obey, then here's where you and I have to come to. In our covenant relationship with God under the new covenant, we have to come to the place of being able to say, God, I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know how it's going to happen. I don't know how it's going to take place. I don't know what it's going to look like. But here's what I know. That you are faithful to everything you say. And you're faithful to everything that you got. And you are more than able, no matter what comes my way. Isn't that a good place to be? Now, I want you to look at this. What, what is this statement that he makes here? What does it really encompass when he says, I am with you? Well, I believe it pictures three things. Number one, his providing presence. How many of you agree that to do this in obedience to God... Israel's going to have to rely on provision that God can give. Now, you, you say, wait a minute, God told him to go up in the mountain and cut the wood. He did. But how many of you agree that there's going to be things around the corner through which they're going to need God to supernaturally provide for them? Here's one of the things that I've learned about the Lord over my journey. The only time I really experienced the supernatural continuous provision of God it's when I'm obeying God. When I'm disobeying God, here's what I find. God's still faithful. But here's what I find. I don't get to walk in God's provision like I do when I obey God. Now, here's the reality, folks, for you and I in the New Covenant. The Bible says that we have all things in Christ Jesus. So You've heard me say this a million times if you've heard me say it once. When God saved you, you got all you need for the Christian life. Are Y'all agree with that? Say amen. But see, that's not the problem. The problem is how much of it are we walking in? And can I tell you how much of His provision I'll enjoy? It'll be in direct correlation to how much I'll obey Him. Because when I'm obeying Him, then guess what? The provision He's given me in Christ will be manifest through me and through you, and I'll begin to be able to draw on the joy of the Lord when circumstances arrive. I'll be able to draw on the enabling of the Lord when my power is, is gone. I'll, I'll be able to draw on the wisdom of God when I don't know what step to take next. I'll be able to draw on the victory of God when temptation may come and set in or fear may come and set in in my life. I'll be able to draw on the peace of God when I look around and I say, I don't see how this is going to work. God will remind me He's my provision and He's given me everything I need. I am with you. Now you and I can say it this way. 
I am in you. And everything we need, provision, to live the Christian life, we have in Him who is in us. But not only does it speak of this providing presence, it speaks of His protecting presence. Now you say, what do you mean? Well, remember, what was the issue? The Samaritans. I mean, would you agree that in the back of Israel's mind, even though they've said in their mind they're going to obey God, in the back of their mind there had to be this awareness. What are we going to do when the Samaritans come back? I am with you. In other words, if God is with them, who can be against them? Listen to what God told Israel in Isaiah 43 and verse 2. He said, when thou passest through the waters... I will be with thee. Through the rivers, they shall not overflood thee. When when thou walkest through the fire, they shall not be burned. Neither shall flame kindle upon thee. In other words, if God is with us, if God is in us, can I tell you, nothing can come against us. God didn't say there wouldn't be tribulation. There will be. God didn't say there wouldn't be troubles. There will be. But here's the reality. In tribulation and troubles, what do I find? God's enough. God walks me through. And so you see His providing presence. You see His protecting presence. I am with you. But let me show you one other thing. His prospering presence. Why would God say this to Israel about to embark upon building the temple? Does God want to get them involved in the work and know that they're not going to be able to complete it? Oh, no. Can I tell you everything God calls us to do, He wants us to prosper in? I mean, He wants us to prosper in whatever God tells us to do. Because if I obey God, and I flounder, or I fall, or I fail in obeying God, and walking in what God's called me to do, what kind of glory does that bring to Him? But if God calls us to something, is God able to provide for us and protect us to be able to accomplish whatever He's called us to do? So does God want us always to prosper when we're walking in His will and His way? And that's what He's saying to Israel. I will be with you. Now remember, He said, look, the work of your own hands when you were disobeying me, what did it bring? Nothing. What do you have to show for it? Nothing. He said, but listen, now that you've said in your mind to obey me, he said, everything's going to change. Guess what's going to happen? I'm not going to blow upon your crops anymore. Instead, I'm going to allow the ground to be fertile for you. And I'm going to provide and protect you and enable you that building this temple for my presence, you'll prosper in doing it. See, you and I have to convince ourselves through faith that whatever God tells us to do, He wants us to accomplish it. Not partially, but fully. Now, Liberty, let me ask you a question. Has God called us to be a light in this community and this area around us? All right, so here's the thing. Are we going to walk 
in the fullness of what God's called us to do? Or are we going to flounder around and just occasionally show a glimmer? God, I, I, folks, listen, I want you to understand this. I believe with all my heart if we would come to the place where Israel is right here, I think, I know, Liberty Baptist Church could turn this whole area upside down for Christ. I really do. Jeremiah chapter 32 and verse 37 and 38. Here's God's desire for Israel all along. He says, Behold, I will gather them out of all the countries. Whether I have driven them in my anger and in my fury and great wrath, I will bring them again unto this place, and I will cause them to dwell how? Safely. I'll be their protection. And they shall be what? And I will be what? Now let me ask you a question. Does the world around us know from the evidence of us who our God is? God wants us to prosper in His will and His ways. You say, well, how can I prosper? Because He's the one that does it. We're just hands, we're feet, we're, we're ears, we're mouths. I mean, we're just vessels at His disposal. But I promise you, God can always accomplish what He calls us to do. You see, this is the glorious fruit that comes out of obedience. I now make myself available to God in a way that now God can accomplish whatever He desires to do. And it don't matter what it is. And let me say this, it don't matter how ridiculous it may sound. God can accomplish whatever He wants to do through each of our lives individually and through our lives corporately. God can accomplish whatever he, he desires to do. All right, let's go on. Let's look lastly at the revival due to obedience. The revival due to obedience. Here's the thing about revival. It will always usher in a revival. When you and I obey God, revival will follow. How many agree the Bible says judgment must begin in the house of God? All right, so therefore, where, where is the, the infant stages of revival? You and I is the church obeying God, allowing God to search our hearts, allowing God to show us what we need to see, that we can repent and turn, allowing God to bring brokenness in our life where there, where there needs to be brokenness, understanding in our life where there needs to be understanding, yieldedness in our life where there needs to be yielding, and always, always, the outflow of that will be revival. The great revivals of this world, can I tell you how every one of them began? With a handful of people that just said, I'm going to obey God. The great Wells revival, can I tell you how it began? Two senior adult ladies felt an urge of the Lord to obey God and giving themselves continuously to prayer. And they prayed for three years that God would send an awakening to Wales, a country that had become absolutely degraded with, with people that had nothing to do with God. And these three senior adult ladies prayed for years and years and years, three years, that God would send revival. 
And here's what happened. God put on one of those ladies' hearts a preacher that, they, that this woman believed God wanted to send to that area. And can I tell you what happened? A pastor in that area got a burden to call this pastor, this preacher, that this woman, unbeknownst to him, And here's what happened. This pastor calls this preacher up. And when the pastor called the preacher up, the, the preacher said, I can't come, I'm sorry. I've already scheduled and I can't come. Now this woman had no idea this was taking place. A little bit longer went by. This preacher called that pastor back and said, I don't know how to explain this, but my schedule's got canceled. And now I can come. And this pastor began to publicize throughout Wales that this preacher was coming. And that senior adult lady saw the advertisement. It went on for weeks and weeks and weeks. Bars shut down. You say, why'd they shut down? They didn't have any patrons anymore. Nobody came to be a part of it. It literally turned that whole area of Wales upside down for Christ. What started it? Three ladies obeyed God. You say, you mean three people obeying God can bring that? Yes. Absolutely it can. Let me show you this. I want you to see this. Boy, this is an amazing little passage. Look at verse 14. And the Lord stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel and the spirit of Joshua and the spirit of the remnant of the people. Now what does this mean, stirred up? Here's what it means. He means it, he awakened them. And the word stirred up has this idea to bring awareness or awakeness to something. Literally, there, the term is used many times throughout Scripture. In some cases, there would be people that were not people of God that would obey God or do what God wanted them to do unbeknownst to them that they were obeying God. Why? Because God supernaturally put it in their heart and their mind. And in other cases, there would be people where God would move upon their hearts in obedience to knowing who the, what they were doing in obeying God. And God would move upon their heart in an issue and they would obey God and God would do a mighty work. But what happened here is Israel has now came to a place of yielding and submitting to God in obedience. And so what does God do in turn? Here's what He does. He stirs them up. He awakens them. What does he awaken them to? Oh, look at this with me. The first thing is he awakened them that their ways became sinful to them. In other words, they, they became awakened to the fact that all these years that they gave themselves to build their own houses, it's not good, it's not good, it's not good. And their obedience became even more fervent. Why? 
because now they've been awakened to the fact that what they were doing is not right, but what they're going to do is obey God. One of the great things God will do when you and I obey Him is He'll continue to awaken you moment by moment, moment by moment, day by day, the things in our lives that don't need to be there. And you'll see sin in a different light. Some people see sin by measure. You say, what do you mean by measure? Well, some people see sin in this light. Well, as long as it's these things, you know, me not praying like I need to, me not studying my Bible like I need to, you know, listen, if I can just stay here, I'm okay. But I don't want to get over here where I start deceiving people and lying and cheating and stealing. I don't want to get over here, and I sure don't want to get over here. I mean, this over here is it, these people that are vile and murderers and rapists and people like that. As long as I can just stay right here, God understands I'm not going to be sinless perfect till I get to heaven. As long as I can stay right here, I'm fine. I got news for you. God don't want you here. God don't want you here. And God sure don't want you here. I want to tell you where God wants you. God wants you to a place where he can show you anything in your life that's not supposed to be there. And this starts with obedience. God will stir it up in you. But here's the glorious thing of it all. When God stirred up Zerubbabel and Joshua and the people, listen to what else come, happened. Not only did their ways become sinful to them, but the work became special to them. I mean, it's amazing. I mean, they, they're fearful for 16 years, not going to do the work. Now, all of a sudden, God stirred them up. God's awakened them. Look what, look what can happen. Look what's ahead of you. Look what can it can bring. You can bring your offerings unto me. You can worship me. I'll be in presence among you in the Holy of Holies. Hey, you can go back to having everything I wanted for you. And all of a sudden now the people had a fresh awareness and awakened to the fact. And now all of a sudden this work that was going to be hard and cumbersome and laborsome and very difficult and very timely, now all of a sudden it became special to them. Now it wasn't something that was going to be drudgery. Twisting their arm to obey. Now it became something that was Delight and joyful. Obedience will stir people up to get a different perspective of the work of God. I remember for years when I was lost. Listen, there was a time in my life I went to church four or five times a week when I lived in Kingsport, Tennessee. But can I tell you the only reason I went? Because all my friends went. When that preacher was preaching, I was staring at the ceiling, counting the ceiling tiles. I couldn't wait to get out of there. I was just there for my friends. But when God saved me, God stirred a desire in me. And I'll never forget my pastor that I was under when God saved me. He lived right behind me. Bless his heart. I felt so sorry for him. You say, why? I was beating on his door every week. Hey, there's a revival down there. Let's go. 
I remember after a couple of weeks, he came to me and said, Mac, he said, I'm going to spend time with my family. I'm not going anywhere this week. God stirred it up in him. And all of a sudden now, the things of God became delight and not drudgery. The work of God for Israel became something that they couldn't wait to give themselves to. Why? Because God stirred it up in them. God stirred their spirit. See, this is what obedience brings. Obedience brings out this desire to see the things of God as special and a privilege and joyful. Not only the awakening of the people, but the activity of the people. So what came out of that? And they came and did the work in the house of the Lord of hosts. So now all of a sudden, what's happened? Everything God wanted to take place is now taking place. God stirred them up. They saw their ways were not good. They saw that now the work of God was pleasurable to them. And so what was the natural outflow that was going to take place? Get your saws, boys. We're going to the mountains. One of the things that I've always believed is that when it comes to the things of the church, the offices of the church or the servant positions in the church, whether it be teacher or, or whatever it may be, hospitality committee or whatever it may be. I've always believed this. We should never ever have to twist somebody's arm. You know why? Because if we're all obedient, here's what's going to happen. Instead of having to try to find people to fill positions, we'll have to find positions for people to fill. So here's what I've always believed. If we have a position, now I, I praise God we've not had a lot of issues here at Liberty with this, but if we have a position that nobody feels led to fill, you do away with it. You don't just plug somebody into it that don't want to do it. You do away with it. You say, why do you do away with it? Well, because if God initiated it, God will provide for it. You see, activity in the things of God becomes a natural outflow of obedience. A natural outflow of obedience. Notice the last thing, the acknowledgement of the people. He says, and they came and did the work in the house of the Lord of hosts, their God. You see a change there? Now all of a sudden, what are they all about? Identifying themselves with the Lord. They acknowledge here, that in yielding themselves in obedience to God, they're lining themselves up with Him as their God.
And all this took place about 21 days after the revelation came to him. You say, why did it take 21 days? Well, God had to get their attention. But would you agree today God got their attention? So what does obedience bring? His manifested presence. His provision, His protection. Prosperity in the things of God. What does obedience bring? Reverence. Fearing God over fearing anything else. What does obedience bring? Promise. I'll be with you. What does obedience bring? A stirring up of the Spirit whereby you see yourself in a way you've never seen yourself and you see the work of God as something that you cannot wait to give yourself to. What does obedience bring? Activity. All of a sudden now, because it's a desire and it's a longing and it's a love, it's a privilege. You put your hands to it. And you put your feet to it. How many of y'all would agree with this statement? You have no problem giving your hands and feet to the things you enjoy the most. Did y'all agree with that statement? So why is the things of God and the work of God waning in churches in America? Because there's not enough people that give themselves to hearing the voice of God whereby God can stir up in them a desire to obey. And lastly, what will obedience bring? This is my God who's provided for me. This is my God who protects me. This is my God who enables me. In other words, Obedience will bring us to that this place. Don't look at me. Look at my God. Because it's all about Him. It's all about Him. It's all about Him. Isn't God good? Father, I love You and praise You and thank You for Your divine, glorious, and mighty mercy. Father, every time Your Word goes out, it leaves us at a crossroad. We can either come just as we are, in obedience to you. Or we can say no and kick ourselves out of all that you have for us. And Father, I ask tonight that Father, again, as I asked this morning, if there's anything in our hearts in which you have made abundantly clear, We've not obeyed you in. 
pray tonight, we come just as we are. And cast ourselves in faith upon Your sufficient hands. Father, we may not know what it means. It may be that God's moving upon somebody's heart tonight to give themselves to ministry or mission work. It may be that God's moving upon somebody's heart to reach out to somebody that you've been trying to nudge their heart to reach out to for a long time. Father, it may be a million things that could be taking place right now in our heart. Father, whatever it is, help us understand that there's no small things with you. Obedience is what you have enabled us to be able to do. And obedience is the only thing that you accept. Father, if we obey you tonight, we know that because you live in us, Wherever you send us, whatever you have us to do, you're in us. And you're everything we need to not partially obey, but fully obey. So, Father, I ask right now that each of us in this room, in their hearts, would just repeat this question. Unto you. Father, what do you want me to obey you in tonight? Father, whatever you say to us, stir us up. That our answer would only be yes. And I'll thank you and I'll praise you in Jesus' name.